morning, I'm going to uh, take you to one of the heroes of faith in the Bible. And I would venture to say that even though he's included in, in Hebrews chapter 11 in the list of the great heroes of faith, I would venture to say that very few know about this person. You know, sometimes we read our Bibles and we just kind of skip over important passages or important individuals. And, and I must say that I never heard in all the years that I've been a Christian and been in church, I never heard anybody preach on the subject that I'm going to speak on this morning and on the person. And I'm titling my message this morning, The Rejected Accepted. And uh, there's a lot of rejection in our world. And people suffer rejection. People go through rejection, some to a larger degree than others. But it's sad when you see rejection taking place and, and how it hurts individuals. When people are rejected, uh, I am told from... Uh, studies that actually psychology today said something on rejection not that long ago it, it says it can produce physical pain not just mental pain but physical pain when you when you're rejected we relive and experience social pain more than physical pain in other words that comes back more than if somebody hits you when you're hit with rejection it's a very painful thing. <clears throat> it establishes the need to belong. All of us need to belong, but when rejection takes place, it's like you're pushed out of the circle, and the, and the need to belong is, is, is cut out. It's cut down. Uh, it uh, can create surges of aggression and anger. People, because of rejection, act very disorderly and we say where is that coming and sometimes the rejection has been bottled up and then it's released and it's released in many instances in aggression and anger so if you see somebody responding that way have a heart try to understand where that's coming from it may be that they're suffering rejection and many people are suffering rejection in our world today. It destroys self-esteem. They say it even affects our IQ. And rejection, when it takes over in a person's life, does not respond well to reason. In other words, people can become reasonable when they're overtaken with rejection. But this morning, I'm going to tell you some good news and I'm going to illustrate it in a story this morning from the Bible that I trust will help you to to gain an understanding of what God really wants to do in your life I believe to one degree or another all of us have suffered rejection in some way at some point in time and therefore this message is not just for somebody else out there I believe all of us have have been touched deeply uh, in our lives because of rejection. <clears throat> and so uh, the Bible tells us that we are pilgrims and strangers in this world. We're sojourners. 
If we are believers, we are on a faith journey. Turn to somebody and say, we are on a faith journey. And we can learn from others who have gone on this journey before us. And Hebrews 11 is an example of many who lived out a faith journey successfully. And we honor and regard the example that they are to us. Sometimes in our faith journey, we are, are alone. And that's not all bad. Uh, God took different people over the, over the ages alone into situations where they learned lessons alone, and then, of course, they found God, and that was important. You know, there's, an, there's a verse in the New Testament that says this, every man shall bear his own burden. Every man shall bear his own burden. But then that same verse, right in that same passage, it says uh, that we are to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So it's important to be able to walk alone, not totally alone, but alone with God in seasons of our life. Uh, That's how we grow. But then we are taught also that we are to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And so while we are not demanding that somebody walk with us in our struggle, we work hard to be with other people in their struggle. Can you say amen? Very important that we have that kind of heart. And so God wants us to learn from others in in the journey of faith. And, of course, this series here at Thrive has been about the the faith journey. We know that the Bible tells us concerning our Lord that he will never leave us nor forsake us. He is always there. If we will tune into him and acknowledge him, we know that he is always there. Other people's stories are important to all of us. And uh, there's a lot of stories in life that I will never forget. And the story I'm going to allude to this morning is a story I will never forget in my life. Uh, I preached on this about 25 years ago at a conference. Not the same message, but I preached on this character in the Bible in uh, Fredericton, New Brunswick, when I was preaching a conference there. And uh, God... God stirred my heart very deeply with the story of this man that we're going to talk about this morning. And since then, I really have not, have not preached on this Bible character. You know, we preach so much about Abraham and Sarah and Moses and the different heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. But there's this list of people in this verse in Hebrews 11 that many times we pay very little attention to. And I think we should pay attention to all of the Bible and all of the characters in the Bible. Can you say amen? We can learn from them very much if we will do this. Uh, Talking about the subject of rejection, I often say if you think you're having a hard day, Just look at some of the heroes of faith and what they went through. But more than that, 
look at Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith, and see what he went through. And I tell you what, our day is pretty light compared to what he faced on so many fronts and then ultimately on the cross, and we'll get into that later. <clears throat> the rejection, the Bible tells us that he was despised and rejected. They mocked him, they ridiculed him, and then, of course, he went to the cross. So today, again, we're going to look at a very interesting life in Judges 11, Hebrews 11, 32. Then I'm going to tie Romans chapter 8 into this this morning. <clears throat> Judges chapter 11 and verse 1. I think we'll have it up there on the screen. Let's read it together. Jephthah, the Gileadite, was a mighty warrior. His father was Gilead, and his mother was a prostitute. Interesting. You know, the Bible is very honest about life. Tells it like it is. You'd think, well, maybe God in Holy Script would sort of cover up that one statement, and his mother was a prostitute, but God is dead honest, just the way he is. Uh, and he tells it like it is in his word. <clears throat> Judges chapter 12, verse 1, here's his rejection. Judges 12, 1, if we can have that slide up there. It says this, you shall not inherit, for you are the son of a strange woman. There's his rejection. <clears throat> he is rejected there. His name, Jephthah, while he had these difficulties, is listed among the great heroes of faith. And whenever a name is listed with important people, you, it brings up the importance of that individual. <clears throat> if your name was listed on a list with Abraham Lincoln, guess what? People would look at you with, with a lot of honor and would esteem you highly simply because you're on the same list as a president. And uh, in this story, we see this. There's all of these great, important people, but Jephthah is listed there, and we've paid little attention to that. When you come to Jesus, you are listed among the heroes of all time because your identity is in him and with him. I want you to get that this morning. Your identity is with Christ, and it's in Christ. And so you are important because you have a new identity. When you get baptized, you identify with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, according to Romans chapter 6. And therefore, you have your identity in Christ, which means that you are very important. Very important. You are a son. You are a daughter of God. That makes you very, very important. Now, we know the enemy will try to erase that out of your mind, but 
Hey, becoming a Christian and being a Christian gives you a wonderful identity. Turn to somebody and say, you have a wonderful identity in Christ. <clears throat> Every person of faith has a story, a great story. Your life is a story that goes down in history as being important. You might say, well, I'm just whatever, whoever. No, you are very important. Matter of fact, I've come to this belief that it would be good if every person's life was written and it was put in a book. There are certain things about your life, your life journey that are so important to others and to the world. You are a, an important part of what God is doing in history. You are not a nobody. You are a somebody. Turn to somebody and say, you are a somebody. <clears throat> somebody say, wow. You are a somebody. Without you, the world would not be the same. You have a space that no one else can fill like you can fill. A lot of people view individuals as, you know, being dispensable. I believe in God's understanding that you are indispensable to this world. God has such an important place for you. God thought you were very important. And so he sent his only begotten son to die for you. That's how important you are. He loves you so much that he sent his only, only son to die on the cross. Now to the life of Jephthah. We find that, we find that his birth and his background is somewhat blemished by the fact, not only by the fact that his dad was Gilead, but by the fact that his mom was a prostitute. It's not the kind of thing you want announced about you that your mother was a prostitute. And, of course, Gilead, his father, had a relationship with this prostitute, and the result was Jephthah. Now, in human terms, that's not a very good start in life. It's not a good start. Turn to somebody and say, that's not a good start. That's not a good start. That's from a human perspective. Not a good start. His dad was involved with a red light district lady. Jephthah was the result of that rendezvous. We don't know how long that rendezvous was. We don't know if it was a one-night stand or if it was an ongoing relationship. Short-term or long-term relationship, who knows? But she, this lady, birthed Jephthah, who becomes a mighty man of valor. 
Now, there's a mark against him, but there's a victory that comes forth out of this fellow's life, regardless of the story and what's in the background here. There's an amazing man that comes out of this. And you'll see more and more of this as we go on in the story. Because of this, his, his father's family took issue with him. And later, they threw him out of the family because of what happened in his conception and so on as a, as a child. <clears throat> because you are the son of a strange woman, we want nothing to do with you. Amazing, you know, it comes down to inheritances and people getting the money and, you know, the paying out of all the stuff when wills are done, how stuff like this gets so important and people focus on the inheritance and they try to find an excuse to knock somebody out so they can get a little bit more. <laughs> I've done many funerals in my lifetime <clears throat> and in some instances where there were some carnal and ungodly people that were part of the funeral and part of the family, I saw fights, I saw wars at the back of the funeral chapel or the church over what was going to happen to the will and where the money was going to go and all this. I mean, barely said amen and the fight was on. Turn to somebody and say, that's terrible. It's terrible. And so when it was coming down to the inheritance side of things here, they, they were looking around and they're saying, you know, there's only X number of us and I don't, we don't think Jephthah should get any of this because he was the son of a prostitute that my father was in, our father was involved with. Turn to somebody and said, don't be uncomfortable with this message. It's truth. Turn to somebody. It's truth. It's there in the Bible. But regardless of his, this so-called tainted background, the Bible tells us that he becomes a mighty man of valor. You see, God loves to take the disadvantaged, the downtrodden, and those who suffer from prejudice and make heroes of faith out of them. That's our God. He is the God of all grace who does amazing things if we allow him to come in and do his will. God says he is a mighty man of valor. People were saying, you're the son of a strange woman. Who are we going to listen to when it comes to the opinion concerning someone or concerning us? Are we going to listen to the opinion of man which likes to div dig up faults and failings and misdemeanors? Or are we going to listen to what God has to say about the situation? I believe that God's word is the final word and it's the best word. And it's the word that we should be hearing. All other really doesn't really count very much. Can you say amen? You're a mighty man of valor. I ask the question in this story, why should Jephthah be punished for the way his parents misconducted themselves? 
in the beginning. He became the object of persecution and ridicule, and who knows what went on in the schoolyard or whatever yard concerning you know, the tongues that were wagging because of, you know, the story of a way back of Jephthah's dad and this prostitute. Who knows? Who knows what he faced? No doubt he faced what we face today among carnal people, the same kind of pressure and the same kind of prejudice. Yet God takes this story and makes a beautiful story out of it. You see, um, God is not for people committing adultery or living immorally. I want to be clear on that. He's not for that. Yet God takes this particular story and other stories like it. The thing that I came to the conclusion on as I was studying this is that that God is not, I, I want to say this very, very carefully, but God is not taking a person like the mother of Jephthah and putting her down. As a matter of fact, as you read the scriptures, you find that similar kind of women, God took and used them and honored them, and they set great examples after they had their encounter with God. You know that Rahab the harlot is listed in the genealogy of Jesus? Come on now. You talk about grace. You talk about God covering. You talk about God honoring. I mean, she's placed there in an honorable list. Rahab the harlot in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. You know, the Pharisees didn't like this kind of treatment of, of people that had failings and faults in their life. They were legalists to the core. They were not redemptive at heart. Mary Magdalene, what kind of lady was she? She would be listed among one of these. But she was one that honored Jesus like no other. Poured the ointment on his feet. Washed his feet with her hair. And he said that this, this woman and what she did would, re, would be remembered forever. Amazing. Isn't our God of grace amazing? Now, you might think this morning that, you know, I've done something in my life. I don't know if I'll ever get forgiveness. I don't know if I'll ever find a way out. I'm, I'm here to declare to you today that God loves to take us from our past into a beautiful, our past of sinfulness, our past of mistakes, and take us into a beautiful, new, wonderful life. Can you say amen to that this morning? God loves these kind of ladies. Let me tell you a little story from, from our own background. A number of years ago, we, uh, we saw a lot of street people, street ladies, gals who had given themselves to prostitution and so on. And, and the Holy Spirit said to us, what are you going to do about this? <clears throat> 
And God became very clear with us that we needed to do something. So we started to work the streets, some of the ladies specifically, more appropriate, started to work the streets, hand out hot chocolate, gifts, talk to these ladies. Out of that, we started a home. It was a recovery home called Samaritan Inn, uh, where we hosted hundreds of ladies over a period of time. And we saw some of these beautiful, beautiful ladies who had suffered rejection, abuse, and so on in their lives and didn't know how to deal with that. They couldn't deal with it without Jesus. So we brought Jesus into it, and they could deal with what they were struggling with. And uh, one story of one gal who was a prostitute for years, Sandra and I came to know her very well. She ended up going to Hong Kong to do missionary work on the streets, then into China, and was very effective as a, as a ministry and a missionary, then came back to our city and did more street work, became like a street pastor to prostitutes. God loves to take people with black, dark backgrounds and bring his glorious light into it and make a huge change in our world. And I believe that what we have is very powerful. And, of course, when we're talking the subject of faith, faith is that which brings salvation to pe people. Faith is that which brings hope to people. And God puts faith into the lives of people, puts faith into our hearts. We share that faith. People come into faith. Their lives are transformed. And Jephthah is a man of faith. Jephthah, I guess in modern terms, was bullied. <clears throat> he had this blemished background, but he was bullied. They, they threw him out. The Bible tells us that they threw him out. It says when the other sons grew up, they threw out Jephthah. Now, where do I go? Homeless. You can really empathize with what Jephthah went through. His life was not an easy life. This life of, the life of faith is not an easy life, but it is a wonderful life because you'll see the outcomes as we go along. I'm thrown out. Where do I go? You know, I, I have this belief when, when we are put through hard things, at the end, if we will walk through it in faith like Jephthah did, there's always a big prize. That's our God. He puts us through hard things, but he gives a great prize at the end of the line. Here he is bullied, he's forsaken. But we must remember the scripture that says, but when my father and mother forsake me, then you will bear me up. And that happened in Jephthah's life. He flees from home and fam family, but he gathers a family around him after he leaves. And, and 
And, and it's interesting the kind of crowd that he gathers. The Bible says he gathered some vain men to be around him. Kind of like David in his, in his first attempt to leadership. He found people who were distressed. They were in debt. Uh, they were, you know, they're kind of messed up in their lives. And, and, they, and they come around David and here with Jephthah, these kind of people come around him. And he works with them. And out of that, out of that working with these kind of people, he, he is working to make leaders out of them. He becomes a great leader in the process. And he becomes a great leader. We, we read about that. Actually, Jephthah becomes a judge in Israel for six years during the time of the judges. So he's a leader of the nation. Powerful thing happens with his life. Now, God's hand is on his life. He becomes a leader to some who really need leadership. He flees to the land of Tob, and vain men followed him, and they went out with him. And they work with him, and God works in his life and in their life as well. Right around this time, Israel is in trouble. You could say back home where he left. The news gets out. The nation of Ammon comes against Israel. And Israel is in big trouble. Maybe because of how they treated Jephthah. I don't know. Or God was bringing a judgment. We, we know that if we're not walking with God, we can be overtaken by our enemies. And uh, they had done some wrong things, obviously, by throwing Jephthah out, as I've already mentioned. The elders are consulting each other as they're, they're under this threat of war. And Ammon is coming at them, and they know that they are, they are done if something big doesn't happen on their behalf. There's no, there's no great leader among them. And as the elders are consulting with each other, in verse 5 of Judges chapter 11, Jephthah comes to mind. <laughs> the boy that they threw out of, out, of, out of their quarters, he comes to mind. You see, if God has a plan for your life, he does not forget you. And God has a plan for your life, and he is not forgetting you. He will not let important people in the scheme of things even forget you. The elders that are around, well, it sounds like at that time, you know, they weren't up to much, but nevertheless, they were fulfilling a position. Somehow that name, Jephthah, comes to them. What is happening in the heart of God and important people is really what counts for you in the end. What your stepbrothers and stepsisters think of you is not all important. It's what God thinks of you, and God will bring you to remembrance. And so we see in this story that there are better things on the horizon, better things on the horizon. The odds may be against you, but if God is for you, who can stand against you? Romans chapter 8. He delivered up his son for you. How shall he not freely give 
all things to you because Jesus is on your side. You will win in the end. And this is the story of Jephthah. You may have thought at times that everyone forgot about you, but God and the elders did not forget about you. God will bring you to mind. And they said, come be our captain. <laughs> That's quite a story. Here's the rejected one, the son of a prostitute. He is now being invited and say, come be our captain. You see, God in, a, in time will bring you to the place he has slotted for you. No devil can stop you. Not the sins of your father or mother either. You have direct access to God and favor with God. And if you are faithful in little, he will make you faithful in much. And God was preparing him for this. In the midst of this, he was, an, he was honest. They called him back and he thought, you know, I better have an open talk with them about this. They said, we're in trouble. We need you. We'll make you the head, etc. And verse 10 of that chapter, they said, God be witness. We will. We'll honor you. And it happens formally in that chapter where he becomes the leader. He becomes the captain. And what appeared to be the off-scouring, and because of all of the background and so on, is now changed, and now he is the leader. And he's gone in the story. The best unfolds more and more. And they restore what had been taken, and he rehearses history with them. And he says, whoever God drives out, them will we possess. He's a man of faith. He makes statements of faith. You know, when you're going into battle, you need to be making statements of faith. I need to be making statements of faith and, and go forward. And he, he says, I have not sinned. And then the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. And he fights this battle. And he offers to God. He said, God, if you give me this battle, he says, I'm going to make a vow to you. Now, we're getting to a very important part in this story. Turn to somebody and say, hang on, this is an important part. Jephthah makes a vow in the midst of all of this. You've read, if you've read the Bible and you've read the story, you'll see that he makes a vow in the midst of all of this. He said, when I come home from battle and we have a victory, whatever comes out of the door of my place where I am going, I will sacrifice to the Lord. He made this vow. The party begins because they have a victory, a great victory. They, they defeat Ammon completely. And here's a part of the story that seems absolutely horrific. His daughter is the one that comes out of the door. But he made a vow. Whatever comes from that door, you know, if it was a dog, a cat, a sheep, That'd be fine. But when your daughter comes out the door and now you are challenged to stand by your word, you made a vow. You've got to carry through. 
You know, Jephthah followed through on his word. And I know there's commentators that have different things to say about, about this story, but I, I want to bring it around to where we understand it this morning. He made a vow. He was a person of his word. And his daughter makes a request, if you read the story, that she has two months, and then she returns. While this story raises a lot of questions, one answer comes clear, and that is being people of faith. No commitment. We are people of faith. No commitment to our Lord is too great. He deserves the best. He deserves it all. We give him everything, including our families. Abraham took his only son, Isaac, and he was willing to sacrifice him. He laid him on the altar. And, of course, we know the story is God provided a, 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 a lamb. Let me take you further to the conclusion of this message. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Jephthah reflects something of our heavenly father and Jesus. You must remember that Jesus was God's only begotten son. And he offered him up for the world. Willing to sacrifice the very best. Jesus Christ, the very best that humanity had ever known. The spotless Lamb of God. Yes, despised and rejected. Yet for those who despised and rejected him, he came and he fought the battle with his own life. In the end, the one who suffers most is most celebrated and remembered. Jephthah is a snapshot of that. Suffered a lot. Rejection. They threw him out. He comes home as victor. As a, as a winner of the war. He keeps his word even like our Lord keeps his word. Because of Jesus laying down his life, we regularly, yeah, lament and, re, re, and repent because of, of the horrible death that he died. But more so, we celebrate his achievements and victory over sin, sickness, and evil through death, burial, and resurrection. And that's where it's at. Yes, Jephthah's life, he had a blemished background. He was bullied. Becomes a leader. Better things unfold. He's brought to mind when seemingly forgotten. He's an honest man. He was a person of his word, but he won battles. This is a little snapshot of what faith journey can be like and what it should be like. These principles apply to us today. May we truly be people of faith. Amen. Let's stand together. Today I'm going to, if you're here this morning, I... I'm going to urge you to, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, this might seem like quite a deep, maybe complicated message, but it's really simple. 
It's a simple story that Jesus came and, and he died that we might have life. If you've never put faith and trust in Jesus, I encourage you this morning to give your heart to Jesus and open up your heart and say, Jesus, I want you in my life. Come forgive me of my sin. You might even be struggling with rejection. Your answer to rejection is having faith in God, having faith in Jesus and trust in Jesus. Jesus can deal with your rejection. And he can bring you up and he can elevate you to a place where you will have great influence in life. And you can become a great leader beyond your rejection. So I'm going to ask everybody this morning just to say this prayer for the sake of some who might be here who've never prayed a prayer like this. Say this with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for the wonderful stories in the Bible. Teach us about faith. Teach us about Jesus and trusting him. Jesus, I thank you today that you sacrificed your life. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross to deal with my struggles and to deal with my sin to deal with my sin nature thank you for bringing hope to us today and Jesus I receive you into my life to begin your good work in me in Jesus name Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning for his great work and his great grace. Oh, let's shout a praise unto Jesus this morning for his great grace.